All right, Wolfpack, welcome back to another episode of the Adaptive Alphas podcast. Thanks for tuning in. As always, like, subscribe, share this podcast with anyone you think may resonate. Remember, our goal this year is to become the number one men's development podcast in the world. And you know what? Our guest here today is Justin, and you're going to recognize him from Wellness Wednesdays. He's helping in that goal of becoming the number one podcast. So Justin Salone, thank you so much for coming on today. Always appreciated. We got you as the host for Wellness Wednesdays. What are your thoughts so far on that? Oh, it's awesome. I actually like it because it gives me a little more drive to research uh, a wider variety of things. Instead, you know, sometimes we get stuck in our own little path. Fun to see these multiple puzzle boxes. And I'm like, well, what does everybody else need and what can they utilize? It's kind of like the same thing as like coaching martial arts or something like that. There are things that you didn't realize you were rusty on until you practice the motions again. One of the things that I know that we've been working on is creating a template that maximizes that like two, three, four, five minute segment, right? Because we're trying to cram all of the knowledge, all of the books, all of the information, all of the practices and experiences that we have and package it in a way that the audience can assimilate and then implementate the next day. It's been fun. And for anybody listening to this that doesn't know what we're talking about, go tune in to any Wellness Wednesday. You can go to the podcast Adaptive Alphas and then you'll see a separate green colored branding and it's Wellness Wednesdays and three to five minute segments generally. We're just getting started because the the show aspect, I think one of the things that separates us from the average podcast is that we are video first and I really want to increase production value as well. With that, I, I did look back at the last podcast that we had and I wanted to do a better job of interviewing you. To give some you know early context to the people that are tuning in who are recognizing you more and more being inter- integrated into the Adaptive Alphas brand, what do you want to share that made you you? How far back would you like me to go? Nope, that's, it for, you. Yeah. that's for you to Well, there was just decide. a little time. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah. Here's well, the you see, there's a, when a man the, meets yeah. a woman. Yeah. There was a drunken night one. <laughs> but uh, for me, I, I did have a rough upbringing. It was not picture perfect by any means. Um, going through childhood, I didn't know my real dad. I guess you could say at first I had my stepdad, but I actually, that was an interesting thing right from the get go. So at age five, I tell this guy that's with my uncle, like, hey, you're not my dad. And he's like, actually, funny thing is, I am your real dad. Oh, like, shoot. so from right, right from, five? yeah, right wow. from the get go, I, my stepdad, they were planning on telling me when I was like, you know, a little older so I can understand it. So like that's like, well, while we're talking about this first memory that pops up, starting with a rough upbringing, I have been surrounded by toxic masculinity my whole life. And it's not necessarily toxic. That's just a quote unquote thing. What I mean by that is it's immature men that didn't understand that you don't have to be angry at everything. There was no vulnerability. Uh, I didn't grow up. My mom hugged me a lot, but my dad was always gone for work. Um, and he didn't really care for his job very much. So he would come home, he'd be kind of angry. Uh, so the beginning was just, uh, it felt like a lot of chaos. There was love. My parents did the best that they could of raising me. I had brothers that were already in their 30s. So my nephews were older than, Is I had nephews and nieces that were older than me. Um, and so my brothers and everybody were, you could say, heavily affiliated with uh, biker gangs. 
Um, so that, growing up, that's what I seen a lot of was a lot of this chaotic modern day barbarian style uh, masculine vibe. So structuring and, and that was attractive to you growing up, right? Like from what as a teenager, adolescence to yeah. young adulthood, you were involved in that stuff as well, right? Yeah. So growing up in in that atmosphere, I, I grew up fighting a lot. So uh, in elementary school, middle school, stuff like that, I was usually one of the minority in, in California. So there was a lot of fighting going on. There was a lot of uh, bullying and getting picked on. And one of the ways that I had to understand these things uh, was through defending myself. But instead of just defending myself, um, I started to become the bully or because I see that for my older brothers, you know, there's a lot of there was a lot of fighting. And so when I seen that, I was like, oh, this is what it is to be a man. This is what it is to be a man. They would be drinking all the time. They'd be doing all these things. Um, my, my dad didn't really drink much or my mom. But yeah, so seeing those things, that's what I thought it was always to be a man was kind of like that. I wouldn't even call it an antihero. I almost thought that like a villain was what it was, you know, like there was a lot of deceit and lying and stuff like that from some of my brothers. I remember from a young age, I was embarrassed that I'd never gone to juvenile hall or gone to prison. Because that, that was a badge of honor. For yeah, that was a badge of you. honor because that's those are the stories I always heard from a young age was fighting or or uh, womanizing or doing all these weird things that most people nowadays I realize aren't it's not a badge of honor in the least bit. You're talking about different socioeconomic classes, right? So if you're middle class, upper class, you have no idea this world exists. If yeah. you're lower class, lower income, you grow up in the hood, then Scarface is the epitome of success. Then dying by the bullet is the, the greatest sacrifice you could make for your crew, your gang, your affiliation or whatever it is, right? Mm -hmm. your, bro your other brothers. So there, that world still exists today. And one of the things that I'm fascinated by is like how you can frame that as success, because that's that's what success would be in that world. Right. Yeah. And so where for you, when did the the change of frame happen? When did it start happening? Was there a moment for you? Was there something that happened that was like, oh, shit, no, this is real. Yeah. So prison or death is actually yes. my future. Starting is rough childhood. I, I have all this anger and uh, bent up aggression and stuff like that. I don't have that great of communication with my parents and everybody. So I'm looking for outside sources for this. Uh, and, and I do find certain friend groups, but a lot of those friend groups don't necessarily have a father that's functional too. So yeah, we bound together. We end up fighting a lot and doing these things, but in these processes of being around these situations, I thought I was just a pussy because mm. I would fight, but sometimes something was telling me not to show up that day. Right but it was my intuition right. and my intuition has always been there. Mm -hmm. And so for me, it took me a long time. It's been a battle. Like my ego was like, no, you're just intimidated. You're scared. You're, you know, you're being bullied again. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't that I, I realized it takes me time to look at that now, but I, I've always been on this path and I just barely miss things. Like I think I just barely dodged the car or I just barely dodged the bullet. Literally. Um, I actually had one of my cars shot with a 45 caliber and I luckily was not in the car when it happened. And the bullet went through the back seat above the uh, driver's side seat and above the steering wheel and right through the window. What else have you experienced? Because there's some things that you told me that I, I don't know if you want to share, but like you, you've had some pretty, pretty rough experiences. Like I said, being younger uh, as a kid, getting beat up for my skin color for a long time. Uh, that was that was heavy, too. Um 
and which I, is a, it, it, it exists right it does. It's, it's, it is. It's, it's it's not as known but again uh, being the minority doesn't have a bias towards skin color you can be a minority in certain contexts uh depending on the zip code and the area you're in right and so in this context you said you were surrounded by predominantly latinos and black kids and so you were the minority yeah, at your school because my lompoc was like a farm town so there's a lot of uh first generation you know uh, immigrants which are great hard workers mm -hmm. nothing against nobody it has not like it wasn't even again like it, it isn't even necessarily like you know like white versus black or this or that it's just confused kids that hear little bits and pieces of what their family talks about and takes takes what they understand and puts it into into their real life, you know? Right. And I, I think a lot of that too, and that's what happens with gang culture at an early age. So from like kindergarten to fifth grade is when these kids start transitioning. And then from fifth grade to sixth, seventh grade, you know, so we start all fighting. We fight a lot. I get made fun of for my skin color. And from elementary school, like the transition into middle school is when some of my cousins, some of my cousins are Hispanic or Latino, yeah. and uh, they started transitioning into yeah. gangs. And a lot of that is because there's no one at home. Everybody's at work and they don't have those father figures to look for. So in that process, they end up joining these gangs and for me i was the same concept we had these group of kids that were skateboarders but they were uh really rough around the edges like we were super rough around the edges we were considered another form in our town of you know you had the west siders the south siders um during high school when african americans started getting made fun of in school they ended up having runoff from la uh, Crips or blood showing them that that was a culture too. Yeah. And that that's how that started in such a small farm town. The thing that you said was really interesting that the kids' parents were, were working in house, and that's, that's a very common for first gen, second generation immigrants, yeah. right? Is we just work 24 seven. It seems like even on weekends, right? We're not necessarily even saying that these kids are boys and I'll contextualize it to boys that they're, they didn't have fathers they had absent fathers, which means that if your dad is working six days a week, 12 hour, 14, 16 hour days, and then he comes home, he's not really present as a father figure. Mm -hmm. And so with that absent fathers, the statistics are mind numbing when you, when you actually look into it. It's like something like 80% of all uh, prisoners come from absent fathers. You know, something like 60% of every uh, 60, 70% of all runaway kids come from absent father homes. And so, uh, I, th I think it's important to maybe touch on that topic a little bit. So what would you say, because you turned out pretty good. I turned out pretty good. Yeah. I would say figure out who you admire most and why you admire them and start to develop maybe some of those traits. You know, and that's what I at least that's what I had to do is I, I looked at these people and I realized that it wasn't this angry, go, go get everybody barbarian mindset. I was like, well, this a lot of people don't like me now because of this, you know, so that was something that I had to struggle with. For me, it was apparently it was not having my parent, my dad there. My dad was not there. Uh, and then when he got home, he was angry type of deal. So it's my dad is the the only man that I refer to as a superhero in real life. But that still doesn't negate the fact that he was working so much to provide for his family that he wasn't able to influence me in a lot of ways. And because of that, I fell off track a lot, right? Like I, I fell into these dark situations, hung around with the wrong crowd, everything, right? Mm -hmm. And 
but as I evolved and grew and saw all of the sacrifices that he had made and the things he went through and the life he had, I started recognizing how amazing he was, right? But in the thick of things, sometimes we can have that perspective of like, I wish my dad was just more present in my life yeah. and like poor, poor me, yeah. right? That more victim mindset. Like, why can't my life be different versus that person's doing the best that they can with what they have? And based off what they were raised. Um, so from a father standpoint, it's just being like you're saying, it's being self-aware, knowing if you only have a certain amount of time, spend that time and be like, so I see even with, with some of my friends that are parents is they don't realize that they're projecting. Mm -hmm. So they're sitting like, say you have X amount of time, but you talk to me nicely. Mm -hmm. But then when you talk to your kid, you have an annoyed voice. Yeah. So you just have to be aware of what's going on. So for me, I would have felt way more comfortable with my dad mm -hmm. if I wasn't automatically having to go into survival mode mm -hmm. when he gets home. Say if you hate your job and it's reflecting onto your family, yeah. be mindful and and pay attention to those kind of things. Maybe don't go into the substances that a lot of people do, and then uh, try to be try to be more, uh, like you said, more present. So be able to know who you needed when you were a kid. And the, like that's what I do with my nephews is I look at what I admired most about male figures when I was a kid that aren't the you know the negative things. I'm like, man. I really enjoyed like riding on the back or the front of my dad's motorcycle, or I really enjoyed going fishing or this, that, and the other, or going to parks or people playing with me. So I, for me personally, what I do is I try to find the traits that I admired in adults when I was a kid. And I try to give that back plus 10 right. if I can, mm -hmm. you know, but at the same time, you, you can only give as much as you have. So if the uh, dads are so burnt out, then make some time for your kids that you know that you can all sit down and just realize that they are not doing anything to really hurt you. So there's, there shouldn't be any reason that you have this like ill will towards your kid. And that's something I've seen a lot growing up and I see in some of my friends and they don't even realize they're doing it. It's taxing to have a conversation with their kids. When they post on social media and do all these other things, they're so loving, but that's not the the love that they give. Yep. So I think love should be given equally the same way you treat or you want to be treated the same way you have to treat your kids. Yeah. I noticed that with parents as well. It's like, you almost get I'm resentful. talking, I'm talking to my friend right now, you know, stop bugging me. And it's, it's, if you were to flip that energy on your friend and then give that energy to your kid, you, you could kind of see that contrast. Yeah. Right. And so that's such good advice. Now rewind back to yeah. your late teens or, or, or mid teens. How would you coach yourself through that time of your life now? And you know, what's, you, you know, it's wild. I actually had an ayahuasca journey where I got to do that. I got to walk back all the way through my childhood. And the reason I was e easier able to explain it to you uh, in the last podcast is because I sat down and I went through all of it more recently to that time. I think right now I'm like might be compartmentalizing little bits and pieces or something. And you did that in a sanctioned place where it's legal, right? Yeah. The crazy thing is my nephew's in that same situation. So he is the almost identical to who I was because yeah. my family doesn't change. Now there's just more of them with the same childhood trauma. Wow. You know, so now it's amplified. Now it's just a reverberated echo through uh, our generation. So now they have multiple levels of that. Um so for me, I honestly one of the first things I would have told myself is like, "Hey, dance more. Don't worry about what people are are thinking of you. Don't listen to your brother. Enjoy MMA, do some things there." 
but know that it's okay. Like for one of the things that I had is I learned Spanish for three years, kindergarten to third grade. Uh But my brother said, I can't speak that. My older brother was like, hey, you're not going to talk that shit here. We're, you know, this, that, and the other. And so for me, I was embarrassed about like being able to know Spanish a little bit. You know, like they read to us in Spanish for every hour, stuff like that. It was like these little things of immature masculinity, this insecure thing, because they didn't know how to do it. So I I, I wasn't able to do those things. It, it would be making sure that me as that little person was way more open and way more okay with being vulnerable and singing and dancing and being myself early on. Cause I went through this phase of having to bottle all that up and like being able to chip away that shell and know you can fail forward and it's okay to fail. You don't get made. Even if you get made fun of by your family, that doesn't matter. It's okay. Mm -hmm. All that's okay. Like you're going to fail because I was so worried about failing early on and I was so angry and I had so much resentment towards myself and everybody else. And I always thought I was not this thing because of the way we all, my family all jokes around and makes fun of each other. So you couldn't fail. Otherwise, it, it, we torment ourselves. That's, re- that's really felt for me in the Latino culture. They do that nitpick everything, quick quips. Nothing. You're the worst nicknames. <laughs> the worst nicknames, <laughs> yeah. yeah. They'll, whatever your flies, you have messed up teeth, they'll, they'll yeah. call you out messed up teeth. You're bald, they'll call you baldy. You're yeah. fat, they'll call you fatty. Like that's, they highlight the worst parts of you and then make it this like term of endearment, but it's still loaded with negativity. Good or bad, I, that's my culture and I... I'm better for it. So it, yeah, whatever. Same. Yeah, it, it is what it is. Yeah. And we're here now. And just to hit the the point home even further, what you just said, I remember there was a time where I was so self-conscious about what others thought, everything, right? How I dressed, how I looked, like every little thing I was so self-conscious about. And then somebody pointed that out to me. And I don't remember when it wasn't an exact moment, but I heard this message repeatedly. So hopefully if this is the first time you heard this, this is going to be that seed for you. Everybody is in their head as much as you are or were in yours. So as self-conscious as you are about yourself, that's how people are self-conscious yes. about themselves. Like they're not going to remember you, your name, and very little things will they remember about you. So it's like you could literally go out into the mall when it's the busiest time of the, the day and go lay down on the floor and get uncomfortable, get out of that comfort zone and start training that idea. Like people are going to be like, that's kind of weird. And then they're going to forget about you three minutes later maybe even 30 seconds later. Another big thing too is like having the mindset of not judging other people. So then you don't always feel like you're being judged. I noticed that a lot. There's more negativity uh, out there because that's what you're projecting. That's the vibrational frequency that you have. And that's all you understand is if, oh, you're judging everybody. So you're, you think everybody's judging you. Yeah. So when you release that self-consciousness, that self-judgment, it generally translates into you releasing the, the yeah. judgment of others. It's like, oh, no, no, you're good, man. You just made a mistake. Get back up. Oh, you tripped up a little bit. Tie your shoelace. Like, yeah, you're exactly. good. You know what I mean? And then if you can be that person, there are some narcissists out there, but if, if you can be that person that has enough confidence to just kind of go through life and enjoy whatever it is you're enjoying, other people are going to follow. And I notice more and more people are starting to get behind those natural leaders and you have more opportunities that you're going to be able to master and be able to actually see because you're not constantly worried about judgment or this, that, and the other. You have all your bandwidth. The thing that kind of brought me back into that consciousness is now that I have an 11 and she's turning 12 this year, 12 year old daughter. And in the men's world, it's not as prominent as it is in women's world, that self-judgment, that 
ideal, that beautiful body type, the makeup, the dress, the Louis, the Gucci, noticing the, the those similarities that I had around her age. I'm like, oh shit, she's going through it. Yeah, you see those those things that you're like, oh, I know how to fix that this time. Mm-hmm. And But then you have to only, even then you can only plant so many seeds and then let them grow to be their own version of an individual. Like uh, Eckhart Tolle or Toll, the orange book. Um, one of the things that is embedded in my DNA from that book is how he talks about like you can't raise your kids behind your ego. You have to let them be themselves, but you have to like you have to sh- you have to have little guidelines, but you can't force them to do everything that you didn't do for the sake of them being the person that you wish you could be. Neil Strauss says something that that echoes what you're saying. He says, "I want to raise my child enough to function but not enough to unlearn everything I taught them. Exactly. Because that everyone is so unique and everyone's experience is so nuanced. And you don't want to domesticate your child to be a follower. You want to you want to create scaffolding around them to kind of guide them in the right direction, but eventually they're going to have to have a coming of age. Mm-hmm. They're going to have to develop into their own person and that's with that rite of passage happens 11, 12, 13 years old for uh, most most boys and girls. So just to capture what you said, be authentic. You you train yourself, be more authentic and care less about what others think or proje- are projecting on you. Yes, right? treat your as life a, like a you're a video game character and you're you're trying to gain attributes. Mm-hmm. You know, you're getting those XP points. <laughs> those XP points and for those that don't play video games, that's experience point, yeah. points. <laughs> <laughs> you're getting the, yeah, exactly. You're just if you can always be a student in life, then you know, you're always learning and that's that's just it. Sometimes you're the, you know, sometimes you're the student, every once in a while you'll be the leader, but you're forever learning bro that's literally dude i get so excited about that shit because personal development is like you know that's been my central mission for so many years now and making that analogy between like dude the same way you play video games the same way you want to level up your character the same way you want to get better you want to get stronger you want to get faster like life can be a fucking video game yes it can you can get better stronger faster smarter level up every aspect of your life everything your friend group your peers your businesses grow and like that can be real life great frame dude like joe rogan says that, become the the main character of your movie the hero of your own journey you know like and that's that was literally what happened to me i was sitting there playing video games i was you know smoking weed doing all these things uh being a degenerate in my own right and <laughs> uh skateboarding and like i'm like 18 19 um i quit a good job just because i was like responsibility was too much for me you know i was I was playing this video game and then all of a sudden I'm just like, I don't want to smoke weed anymore. I don't want this. Mm-hmm. Like I, I've spent 15 hours doing this and in 15 hours I could become this person. Mm-hmm. And that's what brought me back to the gym, training way harder, went back to MMA. I was like, I could be this yeah. character. Like yeah. this could be real life. So I started working on becoming that person. Uh, on that same subject, where did the wellness aspect of yeah. you come in? You know, cause I, we didn't touch on that the, the previous episode. No. And so what age did you start? getting involved in health and wellness where you you notice those differences between when you're eating a certain way, moving your body a certain way. And even, even thinking now, like when you bring it up, I think it was when I was a, a kid, my parents, I didn't eat well growing up. Um, and, but I, I really liked the idea of like herbs and Eastern medicine through like martial arts movies. I like, and I've always loved magic and the whole rags to riches stories of things. And I, I felt, and when I seen like alchemists and different things like that in movies, 
that's where that started. But what re- what hit hit it close to home is me uh, becoming. I was an alcoholic, and I was uh, work. We talked about in the last episode, uh, podcast, heavy into construction and drinking, do all these things. So that's why I thought it was it was to be a man. I would say high school. High school is when I started figuring out because I was lifting for the girls. My buddy, seventeen. Uh, we, me and him would go to the YMCA 16, I would say I, I did play some sports in high school, uh, from freshman year, um, on, I, I did, I played water polo, I've skateboarded and biked my whole life. So I was always active, but I wouldn't say I was well, mm-hmm. um, I was strong. I'd looking back at pictures. I was a lot bigger than I thought I was. Everybody was like, dude, you're a big guy, but I thought it was because of my personality. So I was so violent. <laughs> so everybody, cause I was the, yeah. you know, sophomore knocking out seniors. Yep. If you know, not everybody, there was. Some big seniors, but there was a couple times when I got pushed to the limit and that happened. You had that record of fighting. Yeah, yeah. You can ask most people in my hometown and all of them will recall one fight or another. Um, But yeah, so what, what it was, the biggest thing was moving to Utah. I was 22. My hero's journey. You were always looking for a right, right of passage. I was stuck in my hometown and I'm like, I don't know where's where this is going. And this is also tied to a psychedelic experience. But so we ended up going to EDC 2012, never been to a rave. And that was my first one. So we have this crazy like time with some of my really close friends that I call brothers because I've grown up with them. Like my brothers were more like uncles to me. And so I'm hanging out with them and there he's like, hey, move to Utah. And I'm like, okay. Uh, I end up packing up all my stuff and just getting rid of a bunch of stuff and moving out here. In that, in that first six months in that house, we had another experience and I realized, so the whole world ended. It, it was like the matrix, like people were plugging in, plug, unplugging and the, this wire in the back of their head. And th- that was the experience of them. It was almost like AI. So it was like a big coax cable. They'd plug in. Everything was like a dystopia and they'd plug in and we'd go to an alternate universe. So I was living multiple lives in different dimensions. And every time they unplugged, it would go back to the same spot. It was just like this cement building. Like you couldn't see that there's trash everywhere. Like the matrix legitimately. Le- legitimately. Yeah. And then yeah. you plug back in. But you had to like basically had to like pay these dealers to give you this energy that they plug in. And that everybody were just these little skinny, weathered. They almost look like uh, gray aliens without the big heads. So like really skinny like fragile bodies. That's how everyone was. Yes. In this yeah. There, at least where we were at, yep. like all the people around me were just laying up against walls. Were you like that too? Yeah. yeah. Wow. And then I plug back in and I go to another universe. Like I'd be a, I was like a, a police officer on, in like a space force. And then I'd unplug and I'd plug back in. And I ended up in this like astral realm to where there was, I was literally one of the fabrics of the universe where there was, it was basically felt like I was in a a solid gold guitar string and everything, every question I asked, I already answered myself. So I was in some, you know, like as I didn't need to answer anything because I already knew everything. And so what happened was I'm like, where do I, what is my purpose? It shoots me out of this, this realm. And I come to, I'm standing in the backyard in the snow and I'm watching the world come back bit by bit everything got decimated and it's coming back sprouts at a time so it's coming back little sprouts at a time and i was told you're on your journey for wellness and health you are one of the people that have that has been awakened and needs to help these people that i I watched the world be recreated and it like plant by plant and i moved out of that house it was in springville and I moved up into a townhouse in Orem. 
I got on the paleo diet, I switched jobs, and then I started going to a gym there that's pretty big, university gym. I started meeting more and more people, and the people just started coming into my life that were better role models. That's where I met my this guy named Dave. He's a uh, he's like a guru. He worked with special forces and all these things. He was a, a like a Mr. Utah in 86 and 87, and just a, like all around a badass dude. And he uh, he's the one that helped me. He was kind of like my mentor for health. And so like it, it just started developing really quickly. And that's when I got into the paleo diet and CrossFit and different things like that. And um, I, I really dialed it in when after that experience. And that's when I started doing like physique competitions and different things like that, just testing the waters everywhere I could. And that, and then for, from paleo, and then I started researching more and I was like, I don't feel good on this. So then that's when I got my first nutrition certification and, and started moving forward from there. You have this moment that, that was really pivotal, this altered state of consciousness. If anybody knows you, they know how friendly and personable and you're always making new friends and acquaintances and opening up your your circle, you know, like making connections. Where does that come from? It came from me becoming the person that I admired. I admired happy, nice people. So going back a little tiny bit, uh, say, like I said, I grew up around men that were, it was immature masculinity. It was literally barbarians. I fought all the time and that's what I thought it was to be a man. But I, I was losing a lot of friends because of it, because I couldn't get, I couldn't be vulnerable with people. And so like, as moving into my twenties, I realized that it wasn't me. I don't need to fight anybody. I started going away from that. And I was like, I don't like this. I don't want to go to jail. And, yeah. you know, I've been to juvenile hall different, or, you know, like those kind of things. And I, 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 I met certain people that were like savages, like, like black belt jujitsu practitioners and, and just all around like UFC caliber or in UFC fighters and stuff like that, or special forces guys, black ops guys. And there's actually a guy that was in Utah that, that I knew of that was um, tied in with Delta Force and they were so nice, but they're savages. And <laughs> yeah. I was like, I want to be more like that. I seen Joe Rogan and stuff like people like that, that, and I was like, Oh, I, I like this feeling more of being nice to people than bullying people. Yeah. It's not me. So once I started getting away from the alcohol and, and, and I, I started accepting myself for who I was and not being so resentful, I realized that I just like helping people. That's like one of my favorite things. And so many people helped me out with no expectations my whole life. And I just barely missed felonies and different things like that because of people like that, that accepted me for who I was and made sure that I was not um, all, they'd be able to help snap me out of those states and could see more in me. And for me, I knew that person was in there. So I just started developing the qualities necessary to be, to emulate some of these people that I admired. That is really cool. And one of the things also that it might be hard to, it's definitely unrelatable, but the, the mindset that you're in in those groups, it's a state of like where you're constantly in fight or flight and then you're always worried about betrayal or somebody even from your own group yeah like taking advantage of you or squaring up or the idea of having in the back of your mind is today the day i get caught up by the 50 like yeah. it's this hyper state of stress and pressure and constantly like a lot of machismo and a lot of posturing and it's the the worst soup of emotions that you can feel get out of it you're just like dude life is so easy <laughs> yeah and you get stuck in this survival mode yeah. and for me it was so ingrained because i've been you know like i said been shot at i've been stabbed twice and it's it's just a weird thing like it's 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 not 
it's not a functional mindset. You're not a growth mind. Like I didn't yep. understand what the victim mindset and what poverty mindset was. And I was stuck at the bottom of both of them. I was in what I call as the Petri, Petri dish, like a little Petri dish of just negative. Even now, I, I have a hard time sometimes with self-talk. Like I don't realize I'm doing it, but it's like when you think like if people suffer from negative self-talk, think of how you talk to yourself and would you ever talk to other people like that? Would you want people to talk to your kids like that? You know, like, or whoever it is, your mom or whoever you respect the most. Like, if you don't want other people to talk about that or talk like that to someone that you love, don't talk to, your, to yourself like that. Trevor Moad, I have a couple of his books right here. Uh, the late Trevor Moad, he passed away from cancer. Um, he was a mental sports psychologist or a sports performance psychologist. Brunson, no, Russell. Russell Wilson? Russell Wilson, the QB. Yeah. Yeah. So he was the, he, he worked directly one-on-one -on -one with him and then they branched off and created a business. But in his book, they talk about a study that they were able to measure the effects of a negative when you say something out loud. I'll give you an example. If I were to sit here and I were to push this over. What somebody with negative self-talk would say is like, I'm so dumb, you know, and that doesn't just happen overnight. You, you don't see people with positive self-talk being like, I'm a piece of shit. They don't say that. Mm -hmm. But when you're at a place where you say it out loud, it has the weight of four to seven times more than a positive compliment. So when you say a negative statement out loud like that, it holds four to seven times more weight than a positive compliment. So he talks about taking inventory and one of the things that I implemented in culture. So when I'm building teams or I'm leading teams or I'm stepping in as CEO for an organization or a business, the first commandment is don't say stupid shit. Don't say stupid shit to other people. Don't say negative things to other people. Don't say negative things about our strategy. Don't say negative things at all. Just don't talk negative. And there's times where I was managing sales team and we were driving out to territory and I was about to drop them off. If they said something negative or came back in with a negative mindset, I would leave them there. I'd say, well, I'm going to leave your ass here on the side of the road and then I'll come pick you up later. But don't say this shit in my car because it does has such profound influence and when you start reading books of, about mindset and mentality and, and from the, the biggest, the Tony Robbins of the world, the Trevor Moads, the Justin Suas, these guys who are dealing with elite of the elite CEOs, business owners, uh, professional athletes, you'll see how dialed in they get. And they'll really quickly see just by having a conversation with you where your mindset is. Is it more negative? Is it more positive? Is it more advocate? Like, do you advocate for yourself or do you... Are you destructive towards yourself? Are you self-destructive? And it's powerful, dude. It is. It's powerful. So, and some people can hide it. Some people can be very self-deprecating and never say anything out loud. But that's where they have to have somebody very honest with them and be like, hey, man, like I've just been real hard on myself, you know, this past week or this past month. Like, I just can't do anything right, you know? And you're just like, hey, dude, you're human. Yeah, like, welcome exactly. To, <laughs> welcome and to the human experience. It's, it's the rebound, you yep. know? And that, like you said, even if it is like, 60 40 but mm -hmm. it even if it is 60 40 you just said that that 40 percent of negativity is 160 percent yeah, efficiency wild. on your body one little cue that i give my friends or the people in my circle when they say something negative like if you were to say something negative about yourself i'd be like hey don't talk about my friend like that yeah I like <laughs> you that. know what i mean yeah it's my girlfriend like, does it sometimes exactly. i'm like oh that was yeah. dumb and she's <laughs> like you're not dumb <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. she's like hey don't talk about my friend like that and you're like oh dude that's a that's a good reminder and we all need it every now and then no one's perfect and uh, it's powerful though and i love that stuff and that's another quick little intro to mindset mondays that's coming um this week or let's see today's monday so it'll, it'll probably be here and i think we're gonna launch the first episode next monday and that'll be 
with uh, one of the top sports performance psychologists in the, the country. I'm excited yeah, for that. I'm, I'm excited too. But it's going to be fun to hear. I think that's a, one of the biggest things is like a combination of being able to sleep better and talk to yourself better. If people can do the two of those, that like life-changing things will happen. Yeah. And, and for me too, one of the things that, or one of the philosophies, you know, I like to believe in and it helps me with purpose is uh, the idea that your soul knew exactly what you were going to go through in this life and signed the contract mm -hmm. and you came anyway. So everything that's happening is supposed to happen to make you grow as a person and it's up to you whether or not you can find the strength and everything. Mm -hmm. So for me, that really helped me in my early 20s to hear that and be like, yeah, I like that. So I'm here for a reason and my soul knows what the reason is. And I'm just going through life experiencing it also to kind of put that, to put those pieces together. But it kind of gives me, it, it gave me a little more purpose to be able to do it that way. So for the, the listeners that are just going through it right now, the kids that have similar backgrounds, rough and tumble, um, the society would deem them as um, at-risk youth or just, just had that really tough background, poverty, everything, right? I, I was labeled as a problem child from day one. That was something that I experienced. Yeah, I did too. And that's why I'm, I'm asking yeah. you, right? So how, when did the reframe for you happen? How did you reframe that? It's happening to me too. It's happening for me. How, I how took did the, that happen? I took the mask off. You know, I had to learn to take that mask off and put it down and realize that any day you wake up, you can be a completely different person if you try hard enough. You know, it might take some time, but like, say if everybody, no one believes in you, but you want to do this one thing, say a podcast or whatever it is, you got to learn to how to have faith in yourself. Take baby steps. Like even if they're little tiny micro steps in the right direction, the biggest thing is you could, you can change. That was what helped me. It was like, I can be whoever I want to be. And it's just like knowing that you can, and so many other people have, uh, that's one of the reasons why I like to listen to like people's prison stories or different things like that. And the rags to riches stories of how people they're just, you're, you're a human being. And so are they, the only difference is that they figured out how to have the mindset necessary f for success. So just, I, I, the simple, simply put is just right when you wake up in the morning, try to tell yourself that you're the best version of you and that you don't need any of these negative uh, naysayers around you know, cause that's, that's where I was. I used to wake up and be like, you're, you know, you're a piece of shit. You're this, that, you're other, you're not worthy You're blah, blah, blah. It's, it's changing that mindset and knowing you're here for a reason. And then one of the things that you said was really profound. It was under the category of self-reflection. And then you were talking about itemizing things you're good at, things you're bad at. Self-reflection is the most powerful spiritual tool for me that I that I think is the most underrated and under talked about subjects. Most people can't name one thing that they're good at. I do that with some of my family members. I was like, okay, name three things that yep. you don't like about yourself. Yep. And they will give you 15,000 mm -hmm. in two seconds. Mm -hmm. What what do you like about yourself? And they have to think too hard about it. Mm -hmm. It's it they're nothing. You yep. Oh, I like my shoes. That's not you. <laughs> I like my shoe collection. Yeah. I like my life. My Jordans. It's like, okay, that's a start. Yeah, yeah, you know, that's, like, a start. that's yeah. not like a so, and that's, I think that's what, that's what we're pointing to, right? Is if you're able to self-reflect and you're able to be, when, which, which literally means 
you're being bringing it to 100% with yourself. It doesn't mean that you need a psychologist. It doesn't need that you need a mentor. It doesn't need mean that you need some external or uh, outside resource. It literally is a practice with yourself. So if you were to outline everything that you're doing in your life, say you have this goal of becoming a world-renowned producer or whatever it is, it can be big or, or little then you're able to self-reflect and say, based off my behavior today, if I write out down every behavior I have, negative and positive, what's my time suck? What's my, what is adding to, to this goal? And you're being honest and you're to tally it up. What can you change in there? You've got to be able to reflect on who you are today and then see the behavior that you need to change and then make a conscious commitment and write down like, I'm gonna change this habit. Like it's even hard for me to articulate how profound what I just said was. Journaling, man, Journaling even at the general. end of the night, like, or, or in the morning. Ask yourself this question, right? And I think you're gonna, you're gonna agree with this. I don't care how many books you've read. I don't care how many documentaries or Netflix, whatever series that you watched on Betterment. What I care about is how many habits and behaviors did you extrapolate from that? And then did you implement in your daily life? Because if you aren't picking up a new habit or behavior that's advantageous for success in your mindset and your body and your relationships and just all aspects of your life, you are essentially wasting your time. It takes about 66 days on average to, to pick up a new habit. So that means you could pick up six new behaviors or habits that you didn't have in 2022. And it's so easy to pick up a bad habit over a, a good one. Right. Or you could pick up more bad habits yeah. and then you're going down the staircase, right? So instead of going up, you're going down. So it's like that self-reflection tool, man, if you can get honest with yourself. And then if you have the people around you that can even amplify that even further, so powerful, bro. I had a friend reach out yesterday because one of the restaurants I used to work at and he was one of my roommates. He was like, hey, I'm in Orem and I'm at this restaurant. You know, like, how are you doing? I was like, oh, I'm doing pretty good. He was like, oh, we should go grab a beer or something. I'm like, I don't drink. You know, I don't. He's like, oh, you know, we don't have to drink or whatever. But and I'm like, yeah, I was like, man, I was like, I don't even drink caffeine anymore. And he was like, man, that's awesome. I'm like, no, he was like, oh, do you do like smoke still weed or anything? I'm like, nothing. Why yeah. are you doing this? And uh, I said, you know, and this is, you know, loosely what I said through text message. I was like, I've been on a journey the last five years, especially to develop the best version of myself. Mm -hmm. And there's no substance, there's no vices, mm -hmm. and there's no in a negative environmental factors that can get in my way now. So to be the best version of myself, all of those things had to change. So I, d I don't need vices, crutches. Okay. So like say, even for me, I don't even wear headphones at the gym anymore because when they would die, I, I, couldn't, I couldn't focus. So anything like that that's going to limit or be a, not be a catalyst for my growth, uh, anything that's going to be like an anchor to hold me underwater and I can't breathe and I'm trying to get out and I'm trying to express, uh, experience that air, you know, like get above water. I can't have that in my life. Okay, so now we're you're we're about 22 years old and you're you're talking about getting that that experience and then you start deep diving these different topics. So if briefly for the person listening, coaching is so nuanced and um, specific and personalized, but are there any generalities of of things you can share that have worked for the majority of people? Yes. Some of the biggest things are going to be sleep, taking out processed foods, and creating a routine that's sustainable for you. Water, less processed foods, and we wanna be able to sleep more. Make sure you're just putting in the necessary habits to be able to do the thing. Like, cause I have so many people that are scared to even go to the gym that I know, and I'm like, just go, just even show up, even if you don't go in. 
Like just the biggest thing is taking action. And I, I would walk around the block, walk down the street even. Uh, just do do something that's going to be able to get your blood pumping and get you in the necessary way it, to get you out of off the couch, out of the mindset, um, get into the sun to take action and to get moving. And even if it is, you know, just turning on the YouTube video to do a yoga class, it's it's having the faith in you being able to motivate yourself to do something. I know you've mentioned you've trained professional athletes, you've trained, you know, the career oriented individual that wants to get in better shape. What would you say are the major differences in mindset that you see with that camp versus that camp? There's actually a lot of similarities. First, I'll, I'll test their psychology a little bit, and then it'll be an assessment on their body and see what's not firing properly and what's firing properly. And then I'll start for maybe even like a body weight program and then work from there. Uh, to see how they respond, how their body responds, uh, things like that. And then so for a pro athlete, especially if they're sport specific, I'm going to look for imbalances in the person that are going to impede movement patterns necessary to keep them away from injury, but also see, like, say if they have an injury, see why that's happening. And then basically uh, dissect the the athlete and see where their muscle imbalances are. So say if somebody has a hamstring issue, um, and there's something going on to where they don't activate their hip flexor properly, and they're not, they're not uh, striking their foot properly. And that's what's causing their hamstring to, to blow out. So for the everyday person, I'm building a foundation and a routine so they can develop and at their own pace. So if they don't respond well to criticism or different things like that, then I ease in, I, I, I candy coat it, you know, just a little bit, you know, I'm not going to let them feed into their own bullshit, but I, I just need to make it enough to where they can utilize it and, and run with it. But somebody that has spent their whole life listening to coaches, I will try to uh, find a blend of a similar where I'm trying to meet them on the level that they understand and respect, but also not let them go in. Because unfortunately, a lot of pro athletes, uh, they tend to be teenagers, you know, like they act like that sometimes because they've been taught so much or have been like coached so much that some of them can kind of they like to push back. Mm. You know, so is there like a pattern of imbalances yeah. that you see with pro athletes? Yeah. Like, um, is it hip flexor, foot issues? Is um, it... It's so I, I spent some time with a myofascial release. The imbalances are sports specific. So they have overcompensations in certain areas. So, like, say if it's uh, somebody that does a lot of running, uh, they and it's not like sports. Like say if it's sprinting, they could have overdeveloped glutes, underdeveloped hip flexors, um, a lot of like the tie-in muscles for their calves and uh, different aspects of their Achilles tendon stuff like that are going to be too tight. So for them, it's uh, making sure that they're more pliable and they understand how to like activate their diaphragm and do different things so they can get themselves out of fight or flight and into rest and digest. And then as for um, the everyday person, it's learning how to activate those muscles. And for, like I said, for the pro, it's to make sure that we can shut off some of those muscles. So one is is too tense, contractive, yeah, so, and the other one is too relaxed. Exactly. So sometimes, especially with pro athletes, they get they do the same thing over and over again. So you, their muscle imbalances sometimes are harder to see where they are because they're so dominant in certain uh, certain aspects, like a lot of them will have rolled shoulders, um, and you have to work on external rotation. And then there's like little muscles that they don't activate properly, like, uh, the serratus or, um, 
like different parts of your shoulder. They're very front shoulder dominant uh, rather than working on the lateral shoulder head or uh, the super infraspinatus can be too tight uh, for boxers and different things like that. So it just depends. So like whatever they're doing sports specific, I honestly like to do the opposite. I'll have them do uh, pull movements if they're doing a lot of pushing or throwing. And I'll have them doing um, like a lot of like row style movements if they're always overhead or, you know, like so it, your body runs ebbs and flows just like life. So whatever you push, you need to pull as well. So with the contralateral movements and different things like that, if somebody's just left, right, front and back, I'm going to have them move at angles. What's contralateral movement? Things running contralaterally or anything like that, it's going to be like X patterns. So if you think of or, or like muscles and certain things in your body uh, to make it easy. So you have left, right, uh, you have forward, backwards, right and left. So your body has a lot of tendons, ligaments, and it's not just up and down, left and right. So our body's supposed to move in spirals. So it's supposed to twist and turn. And a lot of people, when they work out, they don't twist and turn properly or they twist and turn one direction. It's being able to, or break the barriers for like the tightness in their, in their body. What could you share with the person who has a desk job? You know, what can they do differently in their job, in their life that maybe a little tweak here, a little tweak there that would enhance their overall well-being? Because most most jobs now are, are computer jobs. Mm -hmm. You know, you're on your computer eight hours a day. I mean, it's kind of hard to track where your tightness is, but uh, being able to some of the things I would say to try to utilize, I mean, at work, get up, be able to walk around, come back. What is that? It's the like the 80-20 or the 60-40 rule. There's a bunch of different, like depending on which um, which theory you're looking at. Basically, you spend X amount of time at the desk and then you spend, so for every hour or two hours you spend at your desk, you spend 10 minutes of moving around a little bit. So whether if it depends where to your body's feeling it, but I would say more people need to sit in a squat without a chair, uh, some sort of quadruped position is beneficial, like crawling or something like that. And, uh, hanging, like being able to hold on to something or being able to elongate your spine in some way or another to where you can make sure that you're getting stretched out. So like even a, a, a huge one, I would think for people that s sit down a lot is lay your back down and have your feet elevated. So it can help recirculate the blood. I've seen it big in the Eastern culture. There's a lot uh, that ties into that. I forget the actual name that they call it. Uh, I, I've seen it from a like an old school yogi. So basically you lay down, you put your feet up against the wall. It helps recirculate your blood and it's supposed to help with your, your chi. Yeah. So um, every, every recommendation you just had, how much time, how many times a day? As for squatting, it, depending on if you have pain or not, you could do 15, 20 seconds. Just try that. You're talking about a third world squat. Yes. Okay. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Like, or what they call is astagrass. Get as close as you can. Another way to do that is maybe hold on to something, whether it's like a, a post or just something so you can have a little leverage so it's not so hard on your ankles, your knees, or your hips. Um, and then as for hanging, you could have your toes on something. You just reach up and touch like even the, the door frame and just kind of hang from the door frame as long as your door supports it. There's that little molding, something like that. Or you can lay like even hip hinge, basically hinge at your hips uh, downward and have your arms straight and you can stretch out your arms and that can alleviate tension on your spine. And then a quadruped position is being on all fours in some aspects. So you're basically on your hands and knees and you can just work on being able to crawl around a little bit. If more people just crawled and literally just crawled like you were a kid and just worked from there, uh, you'd see a lot more uh, functionality out of your back and your hips and uh, 
your knees because most people don't bend their knee even 90 degrees anymore. So I saw a guy on social media and he was doing like a month, like every day for 30 days where he would crawl on his, uh, he would do a bear crawl for like two minutes a day. Yeah. And the changes that he had, the before and after were phenomenal. His forearm strength, his shoulder, just like everything was more filled. So that yeah, was interesting. Yeah, I would say easiest thing, set a timer for like 15 to 30 seconds and just try each, you know, just very simple. Even if it's only five seconds, if you can sit in a squat for five seconds, that's five seconds per day longer than you ever have. And then you'll have, you'll be able to uh, start growing that into minutes. And it's, it's so hard to like pick a specific time or a specific type of movement because there's so many people out there, but squatting, crawling, some sort of climbing or hanging, those are all beneficial. All things that you used to do when you were a kid and most people need to get back to that. So you, you'll have more functionality from your body. And an added benefit, a byproduct of doing these things, if you haven't gotten over your self-consciousness and, and worried about what other people think about you, you're going to be doing movements outside of the the general frame of what, 10 yeah, to 14 movements yeah. that everybody does at the gym. Yeah. It's like on average, the average gym goer goes, does 10 to like 12 movements. You might feel obscure, you might feel different, but again, you're going to practice that, that great skill set of not caring what other yeah. people think about you because this is about you and your health. Yeah, this isn't about what other people think. Exactly. That is normal. This is you trying different things. In general, man, we, we've got to take care of this vessel we have right? Because this is the lens of perception in which we experience this yeah. world. And the more stiff you are, the more hurt and injured you are, that's also going to reflect your mindset. Um, so we'll go more into that. If you like those quick tips, those recommendations, Justin, again, is on Wellness Wednesdays, or you could follow him on social media, John Fit, J-O-M-F-I-I-I-T, or The Elevated Jedi. Um, and he goes over all that. And again, we're asking him uh, these things and we're getting into wellness with Justin because he's a practitioner. So go follow him. You'll see his 66 inch box jump, his 450 deadlift strength, the limberness, the gymnastic skills, the like he's he's a well-rounded, very multi-faceted, multi-versatile human. So and that's the culture we have is the guy that can bench press 315 for reps but can't do one pull up. Exactly. Exactly. And that's that's why I've done so many different things athletically. Because yeah. I've seen that. I'm like, I don't care if you can bench press 405 pounds, you know, like you can't even squat 405 pounds. Train like a monkey. <laughs> yeah, Because we, we are a direct lineage, yeah, you know, we're like, depending on who you ask. We're primal people. Um, talk a little bit about your past. We've highlighted a little bit of your strengths. Um, one of the things that I'm trying to normalize is men being vulnerable, men talking about, things they struggle with and um, not just highlighting the benefits because the the statistics are staggering, man. They're very, they're very scary. How many teenage boys commit suicide? Um, how many men are in a very deep, deep, dark hole? And Did you see the new studies that came out? And that's actually one of the Wednesday clips I'd, I'd like to do is uh, how uh, men's friends have been decreasing. Yeah. Like the communities are getting smaller and smaller. Yeah. And that's another one. I mean, that's one that I wanted to talk about with my last guest that came on, which was, you know, it's, it's weird to be, make friends after 30. Like it just feels weird to make friends. So I, I would consider you a friend. Yeah. Um, one of the things though, that we focus a lot of energy in our, our business and our entrepreneurial endeavors side of that though, that's pretty much true for all of my male friendships. Yeah. It's like, if you're going to be in my circle, it's like, we're building shit, we're, we're growing shit, we're getting better. People might see you, your physique, your life, your 
your experience, your knowledge, and think, you know, you're perfect. Your life is fucking yeah, perfect, bro. Yeah, yeah, you know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, I, I would say for that, I think everybody battles some form of uh, either comparing to others or trying to be the best or, or, um, there, there's whether it's self doubt or uh, like that comparing and like that weird contrast that people have with everything and everybody. Uh, for me, one of the things that I've struggled with is always um, trying trying to get to that carrot, and then when I get there, it's not enough. So, like one of the biggest things is celebrate your small your small wins. I didn't do that enough, and now looking back, I wish I would. So celebrate your small wins. And I feel like that'll help propel you to be more successful. Like don't, don't get complacent, but being able to move forward and don't move forward too fast. Like enjoy bits and pieces of what you're doing if you can, because you never know how much time you have. If yeah. you're always hustling or grinding and doing all these things, but then you don't spend time with family and a car accident happens and you're gone. Like what happens then? Are you going to be worried about, you know, being able to do all these things uh, or, and then never like, like kind of chilling and just sitting back and thinking, wow, like I did this stuff, you know, or whatever it may be. So is that something that you struggled with? Yeah, I, I still do. The small I still ones. do. Yeah. It's celebrating the small wins and and not trying to, I mean, don't get me wrong. You need a long view. And that was something I struggled with too. I didn't have a long view. I didn't have a long view. I, I, I wouldn't put things together uh, properly and I wouldn't be structured enough to, or think I was able to achieve this next thing. You know, so for me, it is, it is like, I still battle with self-talk here and there uh, when I wake up in the morning and I, I joke around about it at the gym or jujitsu or whatever. And uh, people are like, man, you know, like you're always, you know, you're in here early. Like, you know, that's cool. Like, you know, like it must be grateful. And I was like, that's the problem is a lot of the mornings I'm not. And I have to battle my demons early on. I have to earn my gratitude throughout the day. And I have to be able to uh, stack those wins early so those negative demons don't come in, into the back of my head and uh, and give me these ideas. Because for me, I have. I've, I've struggled since I was four with depression. And I didn't know it was depression. I had no clue. I thought that's how everybody just felt. People who are listening who are also in a similar place where they have, for a large portion of their life, they've battled with uh, depression or of that nature, right? What... What's helped you? Yeah. So for me, it's it's been like like we've been talking about the hero's journey. Who is it that you need to become uh, to live this life? But at the same time, that can be a double edged sword because I'm trying to create this person, but I'm not I'm not ex like some days I feel like I don't necessarily accept the person I am that day. You know, like I'm trying so hard to be this other person, like trying to be the Joe Rogan or trying, you know, like even for you, I'm like, oh, well, would Josh do this? Like this, that, and the other, you know, like <laughs> what would Josh do? Exactly. You yeah. know, but it, it is that thing where like you have to, you have to, you have to find balance just in the center of you. And like it, you have to stack small wins. That's the biggest thing. I think a lot of people are depressed. For one, it's these nicotine pens and all these substances and stuff like that. But that's hard. But you have to have a day one and your day one's today. You have to start now. And you have to you have to just do these little things, even if it's baby steps to get to where you're going. Whether it's drinking the one cup of water or, you know, putting down the nicotine pen for uh, an hour rather than hitting it all day. Giving yourself a measured amount of time or restricting and creating discipline. But then again, too, I've had times where I'm too disciplined and then that can that can weigh heavy on my mental state too. It's just finding that silver lining in your everyday life and doing, maybe it's just enough to make it to tomorrow, uh, but it's it's being able to, to find 
and dig dig through your brain and just be able to find that one good thing that you know that you did that day if 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 it's that bad because i've had those days mm-hmm. and just know like hey if i can just survive till tomorrow then i'll it's another day for me depending on how depressed you are yeah. but yeah i i think the biggest thing is just really try to sit down and think if if i could have a wish and i could be whoever i wanted to be that day or like i can turn into that person who would it be like you said, write it down. Who's that person? Who's that number one person you admire? Write that down. And and how? what's the one thing I could do today to make today successful for myself? Whether it's walk to the end of the block, uh, get up, get out of bed. Some people I, I hear they can't even get out of bed because they're so depressed. It's, it's get up, go drink that glass of water, go walk around the block and maybe make a healthy meal for yourself. You know, it's it's just dissecting all those bad things but just know you have to take it one day at a time because that's all we have yeah yeah it's so powerful it's when i hear you say that i'm just reminded about the how environment plays such a big role you know and um i think back to a study it's the rat park study there was two groups of rats one rat that was given uh cocaine as a dispensary like they would press a button they would get cocaine or heroin or some hard drug right that's quote unquote addictive. And they would have access to that free reign. And in one one of the group studies, they had this very synthetic environment, you know, hard edges, white, sterile. Uh, the other group of rats was in their natural environment, nature everywhere, outdoors, everything. The group in, in, became addicted to the substance to where they would do it until they died. The rats would kill themselves. The group of rats that was in their natural environment didn't even touch the substance chose every time not to even use it. They knew it was there. They just didn't use it because they were in a more natural environment. So I think to that study uh, in the human context, you know, the environment we live in is not isn't conducive to health, wellness, and optimizing mindset and emotions and relationships. It's not. It's it's capitalism, right? It's here to maximize profit. The bottom dollar is the only thing that this environment encompasses. You hear that concept like in the matrix or we're a cog in the machine. Mm-hmm. So when we're talking about mental health or depression or sadness or these emotional states that are quite quite literally connected and indicative to like, that's you telling yourself that you are not happy with what's going on. Whether that's how you're eating, how you're moving, what your relationships you have or lack of relationships, the month, like everything, right? So if like I created a post a while ago where I was like, if you're not moving your body, if you're not strength training, if you're not drinking clean water, if you're not eating organic whole foods, if you're not spending quality time with your family daily, and you don't have these natural scripts, essentially, then you're not even giving yourself a chance, mm-hmm. you know what I mean, to avoid sadness or these depressive bouts. And most people aren't doing that, not you know, all. like not even close. No. Like if you do those things, you're going to give yourself a fighting chance. Like nothing I told you was say, buy this pharmaceutical drug. Nothing I told you was cost you thousands of dollars to be told at a fucking retreat center. Like there's a, another exercise I, I, I like too. It's, it's simple. Uh, it's say you woke up in the morning and imagine you were dropped into this vessel or this body. And what you do is you, you sit and you look, you see everything going on. You know what's going on because it's you, but you're like, if I was dropped in this body today, what would I do to change the problems? 
You know, like what could, if I was starting from right now and I, I, I don't uh, remember any of my pastor yeah, yeah. experiences, yeah. what could I do right now if I didn't have all the gray noise behind me and I'm a new person in this body right now and I could fix it all? How, how would I start? Start right there. You know, like I, I was like, same with companies or whatever. You know, if you have a lot of things going wrong with the company, you're like, hey, I just bought this company today. How do I fix it? <laughs> Instead of worrying about all the, you know, yeah. the, 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 the problems that you know you had, or the not turning on the camera for this or that or whatever, yeah, but it's a great little mind shift and little perspective shift. And I can tell you from being coached by some of the, you know, the top um, mindset coaches, it's never this thing where you sit down and it's like this gold nugget that just drops from right. fucking heaven. You shoot like, a never bolt heard at your head. That. Holy shit! I'm gonna change my life. You know, strap you to a machine that just changes your fucking bioelectric uh matter like it's right. literally like what did you do when you felt your best exactly. self-reflect oh okay i was doing this every morning i did this i moved, went to this workout i did this i did this and then are you doing that now no okay then start fucking doing that again <laughs> right and then you have to be vulnerable <laughs> yeah. with those people because yeah. you go yeah. in there with this rigid shell and they're yeah. they're like you're lying to me you're not telling me any then oh you're perfect then why are you here <laughs> yeah and that's that almost that truism exists everywhere that truism is like when you go to therapy it's not because they have this profound knowledge it's because you yeah. build a relationship with somebody that you finally drop your walls you get authentic you get vulnerable and you're like hey these are my weaknesses yeah. this is where i'm at and they're like okay now that i can see where you're at Maybe try this. This and, will help and you. And that's why you have to like look at our ancestors and everybody before us. You have to live a hard life to have easy times. Mm -hmm. You can't have consistent easy times. You're going to have a hard life. Mm -hmm. You know, you have to make sure that you don't, you need trials and tribulations. Mm -hmm. Like if all of your ancestors were such victims, you would never be here. Yeah. The, the best way I've heard about, uh, heard that post is choose your heart. You, you're going to have death. That's a part of the human experience. You're going to have heartbreak. That's a part of the human experience. You're going to have loss. You're going to have failure. You're going to have a lot of failure. That's going to happen whether you choose it or not. But if you wake up and you choose an ice bath and you choose your heart, it's going to put you in an environment that's so fucking stressful that you're going to start training how to self-regulate yourself. To It'll be complementary to the, the trials that you're going to experience and the hard that's going to come your way, whether you choose or not. And know yourself well enough. If, you're, if you know you're going to be lazy and you have time, go to the gym at the first thing in the morning. Do the dish instead of letting it pile up in the sink. You know, Make sure that you know yourself well enough to be able to do the thing necessary to get you to the next level. You know, So don't, don't let the laziness pile up do the do whatever it is necessary to get you to that next step like yep. whether it's the dish or keeping your gym shoes at the door so you know as soon as you get home from work right or keep them in your car mm -hmm. go right to the gym so whatever little or if you know you're in between uh washing the dishes and going upstairs sometimes you sit down on your phone this is from personal experience <laughs> and next thing you know you're 15 minutes on this whatever it is yeah don't do that leave your phone somewhere and go get all those things done and then treat yourself to the five minutes of cell phone time or whatever, you know, exactly. you know, know yourself well enough to be able to create discipline necessary and, and be honest with yourself. Too many people aren't. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's more important than anything. You got to you have to practice that self honesty, that being 100 percent real with yourself. When you look somebody in the eyes and you're talking seriously to them, you see them look down or you can see them folding and you're like. 
You didn't do the thing, huh? Yeah. That you just said you did. That's and, real. and even just, if you don't have anybody like yeah. Justin to to be able to read your nonverbal cues and tell you like, come on, bro, like yeah. call you out, do that to yourself. Yeah. The number one thing that's always going to get in your way is you. Yep. Whether it is an outside, like there are circumstances that change, but it's your mindset that has to adapt to be able to overcome these roadblocks. Mm-hmm. No matter what, you can point the finger in every direction. But it's it has to start with you. You have to be able to do whatever it is necessary for your success. No one's going to hand it to you. At the end of the day, it's you. You can have your family. You can have your kids. You can have everybody. You have the best environment. But if you're not there for yourself, no one else can be either. How do people get that radical accountability and responsibility? Through hard work and discipline. You got to, like I said, you got to start right now. You got to start today. You got to start doing the things necessary. And you have to use those negative thoughts and some of those uh, negative ideas towards yourself as a guideline of, or a roadmap and a compass to understand why am I, why do I feel like this about myself? Mm-hmm. Yes, there's childhood trauma and different things, but at the end of the day, uh, we have these anxieties and we have uh, these negative um, narratives on ourselves and other things because we know we're not doing the, most of us, I should say, because we're not doing the, these things necessary to positive habit stack and to create the best version of ourself. So use that as a roadmap and, you know, be accountable. I couldn't set it better myself. Justin, where can people find you? Uh, you can find me at the elevated Jedi on Instagram. Uh, my fitness Instagram is J O M F I I I T. And, um, and on TikTok, it's, uh, J O M F I I T as well. Three eyes. So we, I I sent you a text message about the, the content strategy are you going to implement that yeah that definitely video? yeah <laughs> that was, definitely that was gonna be i good. got two finger push-up videos <laughs> waiting for it i don't know if you've seen those ones. <laughs> no no yeah yet. that's dope that's gonna be dope so yeah go watch go check out J- justin um if you feel compelled also reach out to him he does one-on-one coaching um he's not cheap though he's worth his weight in gold and so if you're committed to growth if you're committed to excellence you know, get ready to to deal with um, somebody who's in top of his game, but um, also a practitioner and also somebody that's going to be in your quarter to champion whatever goal you have, health, wellness related and beyond. So thanks again, Wolfpack. If you have any questions, also, I just want to make this uh, do this quick call out for the community. If you guys have any questions on health and wellness related, anything more specific you guys want to know or learn from um, as Justin is the host, he would love to hear those. And we want to start engaging with our community directly instead of curating these uh, random bits of information, which are still valuable. But again, if you have a question, email admin at adaptivealphas.com. Uh, you can DM both of us. Are your DMs open? Yeah, yeah. Anybody have any questions, I'm here to help the world. <laughs> yeah, there you go. <laughs> DMs are open. So we appreciate you. As always, if we brought you any value today, like, subscribe and share this episode. Please help us grow the audience a little bit more by rate and reviewing the podcast on all podcast platforms, Spotify, Apple, Amazon, all of them. Uh, What is that other radio one? No, it's the radio. iHeartRadio. Yeah, they have podcasts on there. (laughs) Yeah, we're on there too. Probably not a demographic, but regardless, we're there. Peace. Later, guys.